if we can look at failure as a learning experience, an opportunity, you know, to put in new systems, to figure out new prompts, to go and dissect, you know, what, what didn't align there? It's actually a wonderful opportunity because our habits are going to be that much stronger. You're listening to the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast, the show that blends science and heart to bring you evidence-based tips and tricks for cultivating a healthy, wealthy, and meaningful life. Now, here's your host, therapist, yogi, and fellow full-life balancer, Dr. Caitlin Harkis. Hi there. Welcome to Wisdom for Wellbeing. I am really excited. We are at the end of the year, and this means that we get to chat well, healthy habits. The reason I am bringing this to the table, to the podcast today, is that as we get near the end of the year, we tend to focus a lot on New Year's resolutions, you know, and what next year, what 2022 is going to be all about. You know, people are thinking about, oh, maybe I'm going to get healthy. I might lose some weight, get organized. I might join that 5 a.m. club, you know, balance my finances. The challenge is that New Year's resolutions most generally fail. And while this might not be the case for you, for about 91% of the population, New Year's resolutions will be long gone before February. So only about 9% of people are keeping their resolutions beyond February. So what is the alternative to New Year's resolutions then? What is something that you can do that is actually going to support you to moving into the person that you choose to be, that you want to be in the year ahead? And that is where healthy habits come in. Building habits that support your well-being, that support you to thrive, you know, that support you to live a life that feels full of meaning for you. And essentially, starting to step back from habits that don't align with the person you choose to be, that don't align with the life that you'd like to create. Fortunately, there has been a lot of research in the areas of habit and habit building that aligns with a lot of the work that I do and that I'm really passionate about. So in today's episode, I'm going to be talking you through how to create habits, how to start small to over time create big change, and I'm going to talk you through a little bit of lifestyle medicine as well. So lifestyle medicine are you know very specific areas that are established in the scientific research and the psychological literature around lifestyle practices that are really important in terms terms of physical health, but where I'm interested is the psychological health benefits. Of course, we know that these two areas, you know, physical health, mental health, that they aren't separate areas, you know, they're very interconnected. And that's why I think lifestyle medicine can have such a big effect. And it is something that unfortunately isn't talked about as regularly as it could be, and I might argue that it should be, in terms of the resources and support we get when we're looking to cultivate well-being and thriving. So we'll make that the focus in terms of habit creation today. 
So it is really the last day that I am working before the holidays. Tomorrow is Christmas Eve, and I have to admit when I say working, I love doing this. So this is um, a bit of a passion project to say the least, but it's the last day before Christmas Eve, and my family and I are actually kind of hibernating, um, making sure that everyone is safe and ready to go, given we are in the midst of a pandemic, and you know, there are contacts out there that we've had, that I'm sure you've had, and it's nice just to just to bubble a little bit, albeit concerning. And I think this is where my mind was starting to turn to in some of the habits that I'm going to suggest or kind of offer as options in the conversation today because the easefulness with which we move about in the world right now is is weighed in sort of a cost-benefit way, right? So some of the habits that I think are perhaps more important to speak to our habits that we can do from the comfort of our own home, you know, or in the local area in a way where, you know, we, we are safe and protected. And I think social connection, which is one of the things we'll be talking about in terms of lifestyle relationships is really important. And we need to figure out how we, how we balance that and do that safely. So to start habits, So a habit has been defined as, um, you know, something that you're doing regularly, you know, a settled or regular tendency or practice that is hard to give up generally. And I really like what Aristotle says, you know, he's got this beautiful quote that says, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit. Excellence is not an act, but a habit. And James Clear, who is the author of Atomic Habits, let's grab that. So if you are watching the video version of this, I am holding up the book now. It's an excellent book. James Clear talks about this 1% everyday rule. You know, if we start really small and we're building, we're growing 1% every day, we get exponential growth over time. So starting small is really where it's at. And BJ Fogg and Leo Babuta, like a lot of researchers, explorers of habits have really anchored to the idea of starting small, which aligns with a lot of psychological literature as well. What we've actually found is that if an individual takes a goal that they have and they break it down into halves, so if they have that goal, they're actually more likely to accomplish the whole thing. So let's say that you had a goal to run five kilometers. If you broke that habit such that your first goal was to run two and a half kilometers, you would actually be more likely to get to the five kilometers. We get momentum. We enjoy the feeling of success, of achievement. And if we are celebrating our wins along the way, so if we're breaking our goals down really, really small, we're more likely to achieve them. We gain some momentum and we keep going. We start to lean into and become the type of person who runs or meditates or yogas, you know, whatever it is that we are striving towards doing and becoming. 
So if we're taking goals, goals are like these defining moments in time, these these points of achievement that we're working towards. We might think of habits as the skills, the steps that might take us to a goal, or it could very well be the case that the habits we're looking at are lifelong habits, habits of well-being that allow us to be the people we choose to be and live the life we choose to live. So there's two ways of looking towards the cultivation of habits. You might look at habits that might take you towards reaching a goal, or you might look at habits as ongoing actions that you do to be the person you choose to do. And I say doing, you know, we we ultimately create who we are. We've been told a lot over the course of time that we are, you know, specific people. Oh, we are, you know, someone who is lazy or someone who's unmotivated or someone who is fit or someone who, you know, is really diligent and resourceful. We have certain messaging as to who we are. And that can be helpful if the label is is who we might choose and and allows us to move on the path we choose to move on it can be unhelpful if it is a label that steers us away from the person we might want or the life that we might want and choose to be leaning into so know that we can hold these labels gently because they do not have to define us every action we take is a vote for the person we are choosing to become And in my course, Yoga Brain 101, we look a lot at acceptance and commitment training. And this is really an opportunity to get clear on our values and how we might commit to showing up and acting in the world in alignment with our values using the skills that support psychological flexibility that support us to respond to the naturally changing landscape of life that does have stressors and challenges arising, managing that and still casting votes, taking action to be the person we would like to be. So with that in mind, getting clear on your values is a good place to start in terms of habit creation. You know, if you know the type of person you want to be, if for instance, health and well-being is something that's really important to you, then you're going to choose habits and focus on cultivating habits that align with that. The habits I'll be using as examples are very health aligned because I would argue that cultivating health and vitality in your life will actually allow you to live out your values in other domains. So for instance, if patience is a value of yours and showing up in relationships with patience, with kindness, with compassion, when you are feeling more healthful, more alive yourself, I believe that it's going to be more easeful for you to be patient, to be kind, to be grounded. When we are not feeling amazing, when we are unwell in body and mind, it's harder to be our best version of self. It's harder to take action to the people we want to be if that action might be out of alignment or might not be in the pattern of habits that were established in the past as well. So when we come to New Year's resolutions, you know, you might notice that in the beginning or historically, if you've tried resolutions, you're super keen. You know, if let's say your resolution was to uh, get up at 5 a.m. every day, those first couple of days, maybe you do get up at 5 a.m. 
your motivation is strong, it's high, you're out the gates. However, over time, when motivation wanes, that that resolution will fall by the wayside because what's missing is real establishment of prompts that the first couple of mornings, maybe even the first, uh, if you've had a big night before, you could get up at 5 a.m. You know, you had that gusto, you had that motivation, but perhaps it's the case that a few days later, it's a little bit harder. You know, you're back at work, there's more on your plate. It might be harder to continue to do the habit. So it's really important that we aren't relying on motivation. Motivation comes and goes, it wavers, it's not reliable. So when you're establishing habits in your life, we need to ensure that you have the skill to do the habit independent of motivation. And what I mean by this is that the habit is small enough, is easeful enough, is something that you can almost do with your eyes closed, so to speak. And this means that, you know, it's so easy. You can almost like, how could you not do it? If that makes sense. So in terms of that 5 a.m., goal perhaps or you know resolution we'd want to make it much more reasonable maybe it's the case that you look at going to bed a little bit earlier each night so maybe if you've historically gone to bed at 11 you're looking at going to bed at 10 30 and then we talk about how we get prompts in place to make it more easeful for you to go to bed then knowing that that habit over time can be built upon such that it's going to be more easeful for you to get up 10 minutes earlier then maybe 20 minutes earlier, 30 minutes earlier, starting to cultivate the habit of early rising, but kind of microdosing it along the way, making it really small. So similarly, if your goal might be to run five kilometers, the habit might be every day putting on your running shoes. You know, not having any other conceptions as to what you need to do other than putting on your running shoes. It might be the case that you put your running shoes on and you kind of have them on already. You might as well walk out the door and walk around the block. But the habit you're going for is not to go around the block. It's not to run 5Ks. It's to put your running shoes on. Because if you get that habit of putting your running shoes on every day over time, naturally, it's very likely to unfold that you take further steps in action towards you know moving your body for longer distances and this is where that habit of running comes from perhaps your habit is rolling out your yoga mat each morning you know doesn't mean that you step onto it it means that you roll out your yoga mat each morning and then you might step onto it you might do a couple breaths you might do a sun salutation and you're building over time you're becoming the person who rolls out their mat every morning and over time becoming the person who does the practice every morning so the other thing that's really important here is to have a prompt because if you don't have a prompt why would you roll out that mat in the morning why would you put those runners on what's going to prompt you and this is where we talk about habit stacking you truthfully already have habits in your days you would have routines in your days there are things that you do every day i have no doubt it's a matter of figuring out what those things are and how we can build on them how we can capitalize on them for instance perhaps every morning you brush your teeth perhaps every morning you wash your face or have a shower maybe you have a coffee 
Maybe you have habits that may or may not be working for you. Maybe you check your email, grab your phone while you're in bed, or maybe you know you do it while you're eating your breakfast. And this might be useful for you, or this might be something where you go, oh, okay, well, maybe I substitute a different habit in here. We want to find the things that you're doing every day. So I would encourage you, grab a pen and paper, grab the notes section on your phone right now, and start to list what are your habits? What are the things you're doing in the morning and in the evening? And when we know something that you're doing every day, that's where we're going to start to link in another habit. One of the habits that's going to cast a vote for who you are, who you're going to be in 2022. So if let's say we're going with the yoga mat example, bias coming out, right? Clearly an area of passion for me. If we're going with the yoga mat example, maybe it's that every morning when you grab your coffee off of the stove, you roll out your yoga mat. Maybe it's at that point that you sit down and you drink your coffee and then you're sitting on the yoga mat. Maybe at that point you choose to move your body a little bit, or maybe you do it before the coffee. Maybe when you go to put the coffee onto the stove or however you cook your coffee, maybe at that point before you turn on the stove, knowing that that's going to be something you'll remember, you'll come back to, you could roll out your yoga mat then. Maybe then you do a couple of movements, a couple of breaths, and you head back for your coffee. We're not saying, okay, we're going to be on the yoga mat for 60 minutes, are we? We're saying we're rolling out the yoga mat. And maybe you have the inspiration to do a couple moves, but the habit is all about rolling out the yoga mat. Over time, there will be days where you miss it. You know, maybe your kids wake up a little bit earlier. Maybe you have an early morning meeting. Maybe, you know, you forgot to make coffee. Who knows? But at some point, because you are human, you will miss doing your habit as small as it may be. And that's okay. You know, this is part of it. As we lean towards excellence, one of the things we need to tolerate is failure. And at our dinner table, actually, every night we we share our failures. And this is funny because, you know, I, I have a three-year-old and I don't think she really gets what a failure is, but you know, we'll we'll talk about what our failures are and and she'll share something like, oh, you know, I, I did some art today, or you know, I I got to um you know, build my tower, the the differentiation between what we as adults might conceptualize as a failure and hers because it's something we share with joy is changing. And that's really deliberate because if we connect that experience of and the wording around failure as something that's really negative and adverse, that's going to turn us off, right? And this is, I think, you know, part of the reason that New Year's resolutions fail because when we fail to, you know, get up at 5 a.m. every day or to get our finances in order, get organized, whatever that means. It's not defined. So failure in these broader senses is really happens very quickly, doesn't it? But if we if we fail at these things, we think, oh, well, I'm not someone who can do this. I've failed again. And we lose the motivation. We deflate. If we can look at failure as a learning experience, an opportunity, you know, to put in new systems, to figure out new prompts, to go and dissect, you know what what didn't align there 
it's actually a wonderful opportunity because our habits are going to be that much stronger. And in other areas in life, when we fail, if we dissect it, we learn so much. It's only in failure that we're pushing our boundaries, that we're really growing and leaning into the people that we want to be. So how can we take this and go, okay, well, I've missed a day. I missed a habit, you know, this morning, yesterday, maybe it's been a couple days and I've just realized what went wrong there. You know, was it that I didn't have the skill for the habit? Did I go too big in the beginning? How can I break this and pare this down further? How do I make this habit even smaller? Or was it that my prompt didn't work? What was it about my prompt that didn't work, that didn't align here? Is it that this habit needs to be inserted at a different time? Should I figure out a new prompt, a way of reminding myself? Figure out what's happening there and then start again. This is the same in your meditation practice. If you have a meditation practice, or if you don't and you're looking to start one, one common practice is breath counting. You know, starting at one, two, Three, counting every breath until 10 and then starting back at one again and repeating that process time and time again at some point inevitably you lose count you've got no idea where you are because you were figuring out what's going to happen tomorrow or you're recounting that interaction that happened yesterday and then at other points you find yourself at 17 27 this is so normal we lose presence We make mistakes, we fail, and then we start back at one again, at one again, at one again, 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 and congratulate ourselves in the case of the breath counting for noticing because the moment we notice we have lost our count is the very moment that we're back in present moment. So if we take this mentality and bring it to our habit creation, the moment we notice we've lost a habit, congratulate ourselves. We've noticed that it's fallen by the wayside and we've given ourselves this amazing opportunity to reevaluate and to create something that's more effective, that integrates in our lives, as well as to be the person who is okay with those like moments of failure. They don't dissuade us from being the person we want to be. We jump back on. In terms of then how we kind of take these practices, so ensuring that we're not motivation dependent, ensuring that our habit is small enough, that we've got the skill, and that we have a prompt. So the prompt being that habit stacking idea, kind of thinking, where do I stack this habit? We'll look at some lifestyle medicine, some habits that might be useful in your day if right now you're kind of holding lightly what a habit might actually mean for you you might have a very clear idea as to where you're going with this and brilliant you might even turn off the episode now write it down figure out where you are integrating your new habit into your day what are going to be the prompts you know how are you essentially stacking and building if you don't have a clear idea One of the first habits I am going to suggest is body movement, is physical activity, is exercise. Exercise is one of the most established anxiolytics, antidepressants that's on the market, and yet it's not on the market. You know, it's not something that we can bottle, that we can sell. As long as you've had your physio or your doctor sign off on body movement and it's healthful for you, it has very few side effects, right? So what can we do to get some movement into your day if it is not already in practice and happening? How do we build this habit into your life? 
You know, I gave a couple of suggestions earlier with the rolling out of a yoga mat for the physical practice of yoga, the asanas, which it's not the whole the whole spiel of yoga. Again, something that I talk about in my Yoga Brain One on One course, but it is a part of it. The body movement and the body movement of yoga pairs with exercise, which is something that is so vital for our well-being. Or it could be turn- putting those runners on in the morning. You know, kind of heading out the door over time, but just having that habit of putting the runners on. Another great habit in terms of body movement that I really like, BJ Fogg um, describes cultivating the push-up habit with going to the toilet. So every time he goes to the toilet in his house, he does a couple of push-ups. What an interesting way of getting that body movement in with something that we are doing regularly every day. It's just two push-ups. I, you know, might not be personally starting with push-ups on the floor, but you could do push-ups against the wall. You can do push-ups on the counter. You can start with one push-up and you can build over time. So these are little ways of incorporating body movement into your day because we know the benefit of moving your body comes when you get off the couch. And there is a brilliant episode in the Wisdom for Wellbeing series with Dr. Kelly Wilson where he talks about the first medicine, which is essentially lifestyle medicine. And he really describes how getting off the couch is the benefit and that when we move our bodies it can be fun when you see kids they don't exercise formally right like they do suddenly a run and a burst and it's it's very it's very playful it's not formulated or fixed and i noticed this with my daughter you know we'll be outside and she'll start doing a few laps in the yard and say oh i'm just going for a little run it's not a habit in the sense that that's not prompted and it's not something she's building into her life because it's so intuitive for her. But what I'd like you to take out of that is the playfulness of this. You know that these things that you do can be playful. It can be that whenever you go to the letterbox that you do kind of more of a... Um, what is that quick walking style called where you like quickly walk and your um, feet don't leave the ground? It's something in track and field. I, I cannot recall the name of it, but you know that you make it more dynamic, more fun when you're walking to the post box or maybe you skip. You know, what are some little things that you can incorporate into your day, into your pre-existing habits in terms of moving your body? Please, please start small. Maybe getting off the bus stop one hour, um, one stop earlier, maybe doing over time, rolling out the yoga mat, building up to doing one sun salutation, but start small. Give yourself the grace, the compassion, the recognition that we are in the midst of a pandemic and we have enough pressure on our plate, on our shoulders already. Please start small here. The next area that you might want to look at is nutrition and diet. You know, a lot of us, most of us know that this is an area of health of importance and I am not a nutritionist, so beyond, you know, the very well-established recommendation to eat a rainbow, you know, to eat lots of fruit and vegetables and the Mediterranean diet is very well-established. How could you bring this into your daily life? And I'm not suggesting that you buy new cookbooks and you start cooking all your meals from scratch because for a lot of us, that's pretty unrealistic. And if you are anything like me, you dislike cooking. You may like cooking, which is fantastic. I do not love being in the kitchen. However, you know, carrot sticks and hummus, perfect for 
for me. So instead of saying, okay, well, I'm not going to eat all of these like comfort foods or foods that I've been eating over the year, perhaps it's a matter of creating a habit where before you eat lunch or go and buy lunch or choose lunch, you're having you know, a carrot or you're having an apple, what could be substituted in that might then change the flow of behavior down the track? And if you are, for instance, and this is again, this is Kelly Wilson's suggestion that eat the apple to ruin your appetite, so to speak, if you're bringing in little bits of the rainbow into your day, it's likely that these habits you cultivate will change different behaviors over time, but it's not about that. We're just focused on eating the apple every day before lunch or having carrots in your fridge so that you can have the carrots and the hummus or whatever you like to dip and dunk, having that available. So the habit then might actually be around when you grocery shop, going to that part of the grocery shop or ordering it online to make sure that it shows up to your house so that you've actually got that resource, that fruit and veg available. This could be where the habit starts. In which case, then if you're looking at when you're doing your online groceries, how will we prompt you to order the carrots, to order the apple? This might be that you have a note in your phone or where you've got your shopping list. You do a one-time action of writing a reminder at the top. And if you forget, that's okay. Write it somewhere else so that you've got a prompt somewhere so the next time you go to do the behavior, it's there. And then when you feel that growling in your tummy, okay, is this going to be enough of a prompt to grab the apple? Or is having the apple on the desk going to be a prompt? What is it that's going to be a prompt that's going to push you over the edge of this behavior that is small enough that you can do it? relationships. This is another important area. And again, we are in this time of uncertainty and yet we know relationships predict our morbidity and our mortality more than a host of other, um, you know, health related behaviors in our lives, the quality of our relationships. So could it be that maybe your habit is to send a text message to someone you love and care about each day, just to keep the change of communication open? Is it that you send that text message when you're having your coffee in the morning? Is it that you send that text message anytime you get into the seat of your car? Like, what is it that's going to work for you? If you're thinking you might like to send a few text messages and you do a bit of driving, that might be it. Or maybe it's every time you walk out the front door, you quickly send a check-in message on the porch, just keeping it small and bite-sized. It's about getting these habits in place. Recreation is another area where habits might be really beneficial to you in the new year, particularly because recreation is all about doing something because you enjoy it, because you love it. It cultivates positive effect, which means it cultivates those emotions like joy, like happiness, like bliss, like calm. It's something you do because it feels good and for no other purpose. It is not about achievement. The really beautiful thing is that a lot of recreational activities integrate other established areas of you know, lifestyle medicine, so to speak. You know, going outside, for instance, for a hike brings in nature, which I'm going to talk about very shortly, and relationships if you're going with someone, you know, as well as physical activity. So some of the things we do for recreation can really just be this integration of habits in other domains. But what, what would be recreation for you? You know, is it going out for hikes? Is it doing a particular sport? Is it painting? Is it music? Is it, you know, knitting? Like, what is it that brings you joy that 
just the purpose of doing it is generative in terms of the vitality you might experience when doing the habit. And if you are, you know, feeling low right now when you're listening to this and you're like, actually, I'm not getting that lift, that elevation when I do things I used to enjoy, that's that's totally understandable. And I would still encourage you to think back and hold the activities that you used to enjoy doing just for the sake of doing and starting to bring them into your schedule. Because the only way up is through doing and doing things even when you don't feel like doing them. And this is why, again, we're linking back to motivation. Motivation is not an effective prompt. If we wait until we have the motivation to do things, our life is going to be very, very chaotic and we're likely going to end up trapped low for quite a period in time we have to do things that we choose to do because they're meaningful to us and we choose to do them rather than waiting for the motivation to do them so we're acting independent of the emotional state in the beginning over time we might find emotion and joy follows but we're doing the action regardless so choose things that you know you like doing or you know you used to like doing Recreation does tend to take longer, so we're talking really in today's episode about bite-sized habits, but what I would suggest here is how could we make things a little bit smaller, and it might be that you doodle while you're having your coffee. There's a lot of coffee-related activities coming up. You can see one of my clear habits in life is a coffee, and that's where I anchor things around. Um, It could be a tea. It could be, you know, brushing your teeth. Maybe you can find a way of doodling, or if you're cooking dinner every night, would it take an extra minute? to turn on music and to find a playlist from the 90s or whenever some music feels really inspiring and positive emotion generating to you. You know, if nature is your safe place and recreational activities out there are really important, how can we make that so it's not actually demanding on your time? Like what could we do to get you out into nature regularly? And it might mean if you're driving, like stopping at a park occasionally and even just having two minutes where you're out and you're at the park and maybe that's where you send some text messages or do a bit of work like get yourself out and then you could do a little walk putting down the phone just being with whatever is so figuring out what is enjoyable for you and how you bring that into your life simply for the purpose that it brings you joy no strings attached okay (laughs) even though the string attached is that you'll end up feeling better for it and you'll have more vitality and energy to do the rest of the things in your life but this is really for joy Relaxation is another really important area. So actually cultivating a space where you do nothing, so to speak, other than engage in a sense of de-stressing, a sense of calm. And this might mean cultivating a meditation practice, a yoga practice, progressive muscle relaxation. Progressive muscle relaxation is something that can be done quite quickly. You know, for instance, you could just do it with your hands. If you right now make a fist with your hands and hold it really, 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 really tight, really tight, squeeze that fist and then relax. Essentially doing that a few times is going to help because your body can only sustain that tension, that energy for a period, and then it necessarily has to release the muscles fatigue. It's a really important hack to know about because if you can do that with your hands, maybe with your shoulders, hold your shoulders right up to your ears really, really tight, and then ah, let them relax down, that is going to offer you a lot of benefit in terms of the psychosomatic experience of stress in your body and those little things can be integrated in very brief time periods similarly the counting breaths exercise that i shared earlier is a way of practicing meditation and
and different types of meditation have different benefits, but counting the breaths is associated with relaxation more so than other types might be. So that could be a nice way of, you know, taking 10 breaths and having a moment where you're simply just counting your breaths, allowing yourself to just be, to connect a present moment. Maybe doing that in the evening after you've brushed your teeth and washed your face. Or maybe there's a different time of day that it really anchors and that you might find your prompt. So talking about nature then, nature is a really important one, a vital one, and one that I have already alluded to and mentioned. Because nature has such a host of benefits, you know, nature therapy and environmental psychology are becoming more and more topical. I think a lot of us intuitively know we feel better out in nature, so it's really nice that we're seeing the evidence flowing in demonstrating what an effect psychophysiologically it has for us. How can we get you outside? You know, if you live in an apartment, it could be harder if you have a balcony, a deck, somewhere you can go outside, what could you do outside each day? You know, could it be that you go outside and maybe you get a plant and you water it each day? And that prompt for then watering your plant, when would that be? Would that be every time you get a text message, you know, first text message in the morning is when you go out? Or could it be that when you go to turn on the stove to cook your breakfast, you go out and water your plant first? Or do you just go outside for the purpose of going outside, taking a couple of breaths? So again, pairing the relaxation perhaps with this activity, have your couple of breaths and then head back in, figure out what's going to be workable for you. The one other really interesting bit of research that I'd like to add into this is that wearing, um, well, not wearing, pardon me, sunglasses first thing in the morning and being outside is so beneficial. So your eyes, the ocular nerve is actually the first part of your brain. So your brain um, extends up to your eyes. Your eyes are part of your brain, which is really cool. When the eyes get sunlight on them first thing in the morning, it sends this very quick message back to the brain and starts to recalibrate your circadian rhythm. When we are stressed, distressed, overwhelmed, in pandemic fatigue, our sleep is likely to be interrupted. And when our sleep is interrupted, you know, the time of day we might wake up changes, our ability to get to sleep at night changes, you know, we have nighttime awakenings and whatnot. It's really important we start to get our sleep into routine. If there's anything that's, you know, really vital in terms of our well-being, it is sleep. So if you could get some sunlight on your eyes first thing in the morning, regardless of when you wake up, if the first thing you do is go outside, it's going to slowly start rebuilding that circadian rhythm, making it more easeful for you to get to sleep and then to wake up in the morning. So the more time you can spend outside, the better. And it can be going out onto deck it can be going out into the yard it can be going to the ocean or doing a hike more formally but it needs to be something that you are doing regularly and this is why we're like what can we do really quickly so likely something around the house that you're committing to as a habit every single day something where you've got that prompt maybe even eating a meal outside figuring out how you can fit nature into your day and perhaps linking back to going out first thing in the morning, which is, which is, you know, an incredible benefit to have in terms of the timing and that circadian rhythm benefits. Religion and spirituality are other really important 
practices, frameworks, in terms of when we're looking at the lifestyle medicine model, we know that uh, attending a religious service weekly is likely to add seven years, so to speak, onto someone's life. And this is when other behaviors and health factors are controlled for. So something about that practice of connecting to something greater and the ritual of the weekliness of it is adding benefit to people. And I'm not saying that you need to dive into something that you may or may not believe in or, you know, to change anything that you're doing, but kind of looking within yourself. If you've already got a religious or spiritual practice established, brilliant, that's likely a habit, a pattern, a behavior, a ritual, stick with that. If you don't have something that's established, kind of tap into what's meaningful for you. And there can be secular spirituality. It can be about nature. It can be about a sense of kindness and connection with other humans. Figure out what's meaningful for you and then figure out how you tap into that. Maybe it's if you do have a regular, let's say, meditation or yoga practice, when you go to start that practice, maybe it's putting the hands on the heart and setting an intention. Maybe before you go to bed in the evening, as you do your gratitude practice, you include, you know, a well wish for yourself your family your community for all of humanity maybe when you are out in nature you know you look at the leaves fluttering you know you look at the way the light bounces on the trees on the flowers whatever it is for you connect into that lean into that and I guess you know consider that the sense of being part of something bigger than oneself, than this conceptualized self, our thoughts, our feelings, our body, if we can connect into the sense that we're bigger, there's demonstrated measurable health benefits and this pairs really well again with the framework I work to in you know yoga brain 101 acceptance and commitment training where part of that course really dives into this concept of the observing self you know, the concept of this part of us that is bigger, that holds more, that is much more transcendent in nature. How do we cultivate an awareness of this part of ourselves so that when our thoughts, our feelings, our sensations, our urges, they come and they go, they don't impact us so negatively. It really allows us to hold space that we can choose who we are, who we're showing up as. We are not, you know, the person that we were yesterday or the day before if we don't choose that. We can choose how we act now. We can choose the actions, the habits, you know, the person we lean into in 2022 and the days ahead because we are something broader than thoughts, feelings, sensations, patterns of the past. And finally, the lifestyle habit that I wanted to finish off on, the lifestyle medicine, is around contribution. You know, this this time of year, like I said, I am recording this the day before New Year's Eve, so the 23rd of December. And for those of you who might celebrate Christmas, who, you know, are celebrating this holiday season, one of the really beautiful things is the holiday season can prompt us in kindness and compassion yet we can often become derailed by our expectations of what we need to be doing or buying or what the season looks like and almost fall into this consumer competitiveness fear 
And for a lot of us, that won't line up, you know, that won't line up with who we are and what our values are. And understandably, we might get carried by the drift of that conversation and all of the advertising and, you know, media that's being thrown at us. But I wonder where we can like dive into and sit into our own values of contribution. You know, individuals who do engage in community service describe vast benefits in terms of their own well-being. Being altruistic actually benefits you as much as it benefits the person you're serving, the people you're serving. There's a wonderful Wisdom for Well-Being episode that Peter Singer um where I interview Peter Singer and he really talks about effective altruism and altruism in terms of psychological benefit. I'll link to that in the show notes as well. So head to the show notes to really dive into Peter's episode, which I also really respect because Peter has done a wonderful job setting up a foundation where they're looking at effective altruism. So depending on your resources, you might be in your mind thinking, okay, well, here's where I could volunteer. These are the causes I believe in. You know, even like wearing a t-shirt that that reminds people of kindness or open the door might be your act of contribution and connection. And that's brilliant. Like how good does it feel to hold the door for someone who's got a bunch of parcels in their hands or is struggling with a pram? Like, you know, there's lots of ways to help that feel good. If you have the resources, you might consider donation and you might want to ensure that where you're donating, that that um, donation is getting the most bang for buck, so to speak, that it is most effectively used. And if you head to the lifeyoucansave.org, it's a really wonderful resource in terms of sharing with you a number of organizations that are vetted for being really effective in terms of using the resources that come in to really support people rather than organizational overlays, if that makes, if that makes sense. And if that resonates with you, I would encourage you to check out the life you can save. I hope that these ideas, these strategies have been helpful and inspiring in terms of stepping forward into the new year, creating habits of alignment. If one of your habits is around organization and productivity, and I think when we are more, uh, more clear when we have systems in place it's easier to establish habits as well as to live with a sense that um, it's not wildly chaotic and the other episode in that case that I wanted to recommend was the interview with David Allen and the getting things done system so his work with getting things done GTD as it's commonly referred a lot of these habits these systems come up in conversation in a number of habit creation blogs and books so go to David's episode again it'll be in the show notes to really get a sense of you know the the original GTD system and figure out if that's something that aligns with you and that you might modify in terms of habit constructs in the new year please take care of yourself take care of your loved ones if you would like to grab my free um, mindfulness you know, productivity system, bullet journaling, tutorial. It's really a values-based mandala bullet journaling tutorial that, you know, you can do mindful coloring in. It supports you in your productivity and bullet journaling generally has been described as a productivity system, (laughs) kind of, I guess, displayed or 
covering itself as mindfulness. If you would like to grab that, head to drcaitlin.com backslash bullet journal. Again, links will be in the show note. And if you're interested in joining Yoga Brain 101, I will be opening the doors in the new years. And I'm actually going to be doing a little pre-sale of the Yoga Brain 101 course at a discounted rate right in the new year. So we hit January 1st. I'm going to offer that pre-sale as a way of taking action towards, you know, your best year, you know, a year that brings you more closely to your heart and into alignment. And if learning the tools, the strategies of acceptance and commitment training might support you, coupled with yoga practices that are included in this course to allow you an experiential playground of the skills and strategies that you're learning, I would love to have you join. You can, of course, email me if you've got any questions or comments or connect at socials at Dr. Caitlin on Instagram and Facebook. Send me a message there and I can let you know more about it. But keep your eyes peeled. Get on the mailing list. If you go to drcaitlin.com, you can join the yoga nerds and I will let you know when the pre-sale opens. We can celebrate 2022 and I think while new year's resolutions are not effective i think the energy we bring to the new year and the intentionality can be really magical so while nothing really directly changes at that strike of midnight let's allow it to be the prompt that we need to align ourselves to engage more heartfully in our lives may you be well and happy holidays Thanks for joining us this week on the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast. Please visit drcaitlin.com to connect, find show notes, other episodes, and to subscribe. While you're at it, if you find value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating or perhaps simply tell a friend about the show. Wisdom for Wellbeing is not a substitute for professional, individualized mental health treatment. If you are in crisis, please contact 000, your local emergency number if you are outside of Australia, or attend your local hospital ED.